Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Front Page 305. All right. Welcome to Front Page 305. This is Walter Villa, and we're playing Girls Just Want to Have Fun for a Reason. We're going to have Lindsay Gould join us in a moment. Uh, you might have seen a story where Sarah Fuller is the name of the young lady who is um, a female who's the first female to play in a Power 5 conference game. Uh, she kicked, I guess she kicked off for Vanderbilt, but we have our own young lady and Lindsay did, she kicked extra points for Ransom Everglades before Sarah Fuller did it. So anyway, we, we're going to have her on in a moment. As I said, my name is Walter Villa, I'm a sports writer, and I'm joined by my co-host as always, Andre Fernandez, who's a great sports writer. And the reason I know that is I was his editor at the Miami Herald. Welcome, Andre. Thank, thank you, Walter. And thank you for all those low high fives when the story wasn't that good and those high high fives when the story was kick ass. That's right. And, uh, and so anyway, without further ado, let's get, uh, let's get Lindsay on here. And just by way of, of introduction, uh, she's an incredible young lady. First of all, Andre, she's going to Brown University. You know, mm. my hat's off. Anybody going to the Ivy League, uh, right away, I respect her. She's got a 3.9 GPA. Uh, she's a great soccer player. She's got a soccer scholarship to Brown. And then she did the football thing this year when she made five out of six extra points. Uh, so she's terrific. Uh, so Lindsay, welcome to the front page. Thank you. Thank you for having me on here, Walter. I appreciate it. I appreciate you, you being here. You got a little break from school. And so we took advantage of that. Uh, tell us a, a little bit about how this, um, uh, I'm going to have a story about you in the Miami Herald coming up, but, and we, we did speak yesterday, how this whole, whole thing happened, uh, Lindsay. I think it was six months ago you started getting this, you always like football. You got the idea to go in your free period, like, which is now <laughs> you go out to the football field and, and started kicking and, and mess around kicking footballs. Is that what happened? Yeah. So I've always loved watching football and throwing football around. I never really expected it to turn into this for my uh, last season in high school, but I, I started just kicking during my free period with some friends. And then I got more and more serious about it until I started talking to the high school football coach, Coach Karen, um, and he really encouraged me to play. So um, I'm really appreciative for his support. And shout out to him for an undefeated season this year. Yeah, 5-0. and oh, That was playing an independent schedule. They were so good, Ransom, this year. They never even attempted a field goal with any of their kickers, you and another kicker, and that's disappointing. But you did go 5-6 and six on extra points. Tell us, before I get Andre here to ask you some stuff, what was the – Tell us the first time you kicked, what did it look like? Uh, I think you, you tried a 20-yarder the first time in practice. Yeah. Uh, so we were up by um, a lot at that point, but it was still super exciting um, just getting my first points in a football uniform. The team was super supportive, um, and it was just an unforgettable feeling seeing it go through the uprights. I meant Lindsay in practice. The first time you went out in practice and you and you kicked, I think you, you tried a, a twenty yarder and you told me what did it look like. Oh right, right, yeah. So um, I had enough power on it, but I'm sure my form wasn't as good as it could be. So um, as I started practicing more and more, I could see the progress with my kick. Lindsay, what did you think the other day about what Sarah Fuller was able to accomplish? You know, obviously pretty big to, to do that on a stage like that. And, you know, I mean, it was one kickoff, but it's like, you know, it's the, it's the breakthrough. And what does that do for aspiring, you know, girls like you that, that, that now know that it's possible to, to achieve that and maybe more someday? 
Yeah, I think that it's super inspiring. And I'm impressed to see that um, she was able to do that at the next level. So, um, I would, I mean, if the opportunity arises, I would love to do it at Brown. And I think that it's just a great example for other girls who want to get more involved in football. There you go, Brown University. They're getting a soccer player, but maybe a, a field goal and extra point kicker at some day. Um, Lizzie, tell me <laughs> okay. about – go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying we'll see. But, I mean, if it could happen, it would be great. <laughs> Absolutely. Hopefully the coach is listening. But, Lindsay, tell me – you know, we mentioned, I think you told me your first kick in practice was – it wasn't the prettiest one. Um, and then you got better and better. By the end of the season um, – how were you – what was the longest kick you made in practice and, and how consistent did you get on, say, like 35 yarders? Uh, yeah, so the furthest I've kicked in practice is a 47-yarder. So that would be from the 37-yard line. Um, wow. And I, I was focusing more on consistency in practice. So I'd say by the end of the season, I could kick from 35 yards or 30 yards um, pretty consistently. Lindsay, one thing that has come out since Sarah did what she did the other day is like, there's been a lot of people like on Twitter, like, you know, saying that she didn't deserve that chance that they should, that people, others should have had it. It should have gone to a, you know, to, there's plenty of guys that could have done it, like all that kind of negativity. And she's handled it really well, like really classy. Did you, I know you said you had a lot of support from your school, from your coaches, but did you run into any of that when you started to doing that from other guys or maybe people that, you know, laughed at what you were trying to do or something like that? And then, like, what do you think about the way Sarah handled it? Uh, yeah, so I think she handled it really well. She posted a highlight from a soccer game of her um, assisting a goal from pretty far back, just, just showing how much of a boot she has. Um, so uh, I'm not surprised there was negativity, but I was not happy to see it. Um, personally, the, the team at Ransom was super welcoming and encouraging, um, and, and the coaches. But as I was kicking, I did hear some stuff from the stands and from the other teams. Not not necessarily negative, but just showing surprise that it was a girl kicking and not a guy. So yeah, I got, I got, I got, that be, that's that field you're kicking at is amazing. Right up against the water, against the bay. I got to ask you, how many footballs did you put in the water out there? <laughs> um, I. I believe two of them were going that way. So I made a joke with my soccer team. That's the only time that I like seeing the balls go in the water on that field. <laughs> That's a good point. Hey, hey Lindsay, uh, following up what Andre said, um, I think you told me that obviously you have, you have long blonde hair, you have, you're wearing a ponytail in matches and games. And so somebody, somebody saw that and they, when they, hey, it's a girl, right? That's what somebody yelled from the stands? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you can just hear in the background of the uh, videos, um, hey, the kicker's a girl, or hey, is that a girl over there? And as I was about to kick uh, one of the extra points, someone that was on the other team trying to block it goes, kick it, girl. So just, just a little surprise that it's a girl kicking. Um, you can always hear like the occasional surprise. Kick it, girl. And you said, yeah, that's, a back that's exactly what I'm about to do right now. And you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, and but it was great. And uh, and you made five of six. The only one was a block. So that wasn't your fault. Um, what, when you kicked in practice, though, what was the difference when, you know, you went to the first time in a game and now there's a rush and now 
there's a rush literally in terms of players rushing at you. And there's probably an adrenaline rush as well. What was the difference between practice and, and game comp? Yeah, so even within practice, going from kicking off of a tee or just a holder to having the O-line in front of you and people coming at you, um, getting that timing down uh, definitely helped me mentally in the game. But the first time I kicked an extra point in a game, there was definitely that adrenaline rush. But being surrounded by a bunch of guys trying to protect you and the ball really helped. Lindsay, is there any field goal kicker, any kicker in the NFL or, or even college, anybody that you kind of, you know, that you like, that you watched for a while, uh, that you're like, you know, maybe kind of emulate a little bit? Hmm. I'm not sure there's exactly one. There is a kicker, Robbie Gould, so we share a last name, which is cool. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I don't follow it as much as I probably should. That's a, that's a good one. But no relation between you and Robbie, huh? No. <laughs> yeah, and, and and Andre, Jason Sanders would be a good one right here with the Dolphins, and he's having a great yeah. year. I think he's Pro made 10 in a row from 50-plus. Yeah, he's probably going to be the Pro Bowl kicker, i got to think, at this point, with the yeah, year he's uh, having. That, well, maybe you'll get to meet Jason Sanders after this appearance. Who knows? Maybe the Dolphins will uh, either hear our radio show or, or read my story, and, and that would – if you're getting invited to Dolphins camp, that would be super. I think you're deserving – I wanted to ask you about school. As I mentioned before, you're an Ivy Leaguer. I mean, you had a three, you had 3.9 GPA. You told me, you know, when I attended Miami High, which was in the early 1800s in a log cabin, <laughs> a, long, a long, long time ago, Lindsay. I mean, sorry, what did you say at the end there? I think you cut out. We spoke a little bit yesterday about what some of your interests, and the one that was really captivating to me was your interest in the your interest in the environment. Uh, maybe studying public policy at Brown. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that and just, um, you know, how you want to ba basically help and, and uh, climate change, you know, that's, that's a real deal. Yeah, so um, living in a city like Miami that's so affected by climate change and will be in the coming years, um, especially just going to Ransom and being able to have the um, opportunity to learn hands-on what we're studying in the Bay. Um, I'm really interested in trying to help uh, the environment. And so um, just like in regard to uh, sustainability, um, either in the marine, I'm thinking marine field research, which is an awesome class. Um, so whether it's marine biology or really anything that has to do with sustainability, I would love to help, um, especially with anything related to climate change. Lindsay, what's it been like this year for you as an athlete, especially I know you're like a multi-sport athlete, you know, with trying to be, you know, you're trying to do what you always do and in the games and everything, but you're trying to be careful at the same time. And, you know, it's not like the NFL. It's not like, you know, where there's like constant testing of everybody and that stuff like that. So you almost have to like be extra careful. What, what's that been like, you know, from an athlete's perspective this year, high school athlete's perspective, I mean. Uh, it's definitely been different than other years, but all the challenges with playing with masks and social distancing are challenges that uh, the teams here have been ready to take on. Um, so I think that we're doing a great job uh, staying safe, but also getting to play the sports that we love. Yeah, Lizzie, talk a little bit about your, your coaches at Brown. Before you, um, before you made this decision to play football, you check with your 
your Brown University, your future coach uh, in soccer at Brown and, and talk about her and, and was she encouraging? Yeah, so Coach Kia is super supportive. Um, when I asked her if I was able to participate in the football season, I was super nervous just because, you know, I, I was nervous if she was going to allow me to with all of the chances of getting injured and all of, like, the details. But she was super encouraging, super supportive. So I really appreciate um, all of that, that she's, uh, you know, all of the encouragement that I've gotten from her. Did, did you do, like, a research to find out what is the likelihood of injuries for a kicker? Uh, so I talked to Coach Karen before I decided to play during the season, and he basically talked about the way that practices go. And we had no uh, concussions or injuries last year um, other than one that was pre-existing before the season. So that information really encouraged me and made me feel confident about um, the safety behind the season. Gotcha. I, well, I maybe have one more. Andre, you got any more? I got one more One more question for Lindsay before we let her go. go you got anything it. else? No, go for it. Well, my, my other question, Lindsay, was what if, well, there was one blocked, and what if you had to make a tackle? Did you ever think about that? What would happen if you had to make a, a stop? Did, and did the coaches talk yeah. to you about that? Yeah, so I was always ready to make a block. I wasn't really expecting to, but I also I feel a lot better about having to make a block rather than having someone trying to tackle me. Um, so <laughs> I, I was ready to if I needed to, if the if the opportunity arise, but um, I didn't have to. So yeah, I would have run away. I would have just said, "No, go ahead, have the touchdown. I'm not getting in the way of the locomotive." But uh, I, I, I want to know what would it, what would happen if coach ran a fake field goal and made you throw a pass too on top of everything else. Oh yeah, we actually we have some plays that uh, involve the holder making the throw. We actually we got a two point conversion on one of them with the other kicker, uh, Caleb Carlson. He's awesome. But Walker go. White threw a, a two point conversion off of a fake play, so that was super hype. There you oh, go. Wow. Let's give a little hype for Walker White. Absolutely. All right. Well, Lindsay, did you enjoy your appearance? Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me on Front Page 305. Absolutely. All right. We'll be right back with Josh White, the Miami Hurricanes radio broadcast right after this. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Here's that song again. Yay. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today. Here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Yay. Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Yay. Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve. 
By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up two Aniga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking. I'm looking at the different angles. It does. You I don't call know. him that. I call him Tonga Vailoa. Whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuela Pula. Tonga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuela Pula. Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tonga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuela Pula. Tonga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuela Pula. Tonga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuela Pula. Tonga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Flowers are beautiful, but they become even more so when carried by people who are committed to ending Alzheimer's. At the Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's, hundreds of thousands carry different colored flowers signifying their connections to the disease. And we walk so that one day, there will be a white flower for Alzheimer's first survivor. Slam Radio is more than just a radio station, but a family. It's so nice to know that you have a place where you can feel safe, where you can feel comfortable, sharing your opinions and not be judged for what you feel like is right or is wrong. I'm very grateful that I've gotten this opportunity to be a part of something big, something historical. It taught me that not only that I matter, but that I have a voice. And the mentors we have here, like Frank the Tank and the Amigo, make you love this amazing program even more. There are very few words that can describe Slam Radio. One word that definitely comes to mind is familia, family. We've been offered so many unique opportunities to be a part of something great. I will always be grateful to Slam Radio and everybody a part of Slam Radio. We are a family. They are my family and they will always continue to be my family and I will forever be thankful and I know they got my back just like I got theirs. I love being part of Slam Radio. Yo, this is K9 and you're listening to Slam Radio Series 6M145. And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Series 6M145 Slam Radio. All right. There you go, Frank Sinatra, Old Blue Eyes. I'm playing that because our next guest, Andre, is a New Yorker uh, by birth, like myself, and a Miamian. He is the, I, I got to know him as the voice of the Miami Hurricane student radio. He does an outstanding job as a play-by-play guy. I have no doubt this guy's going to be a big star someday soon. Welcome to the front page, Mr. Josh White. Thanks, Walter. That, that's way too kind of an introduction. You, you, you need to say it Yeah, well, no, you deserve it, man. You do a great job. And, uh, and I know you're a big Hurricanes fan, as I am. And you got to see the Hurricanes. I want, we're going to talk about football in a minute and, and some other stuff. But I wanted to get your reaction to the Hurricanes the other day. They played North Florida. They won. It was a little disappointing that the freshman star, Earl Timberlake, is out three to five weeks. We didn't get to see him play. But what do you think of their performance? And, uh, and when you're done talking, I'll tell you what I thought and see where, you, where we uh, agree or disagree. 
Oh boy, this this is where this goes. Uh, I I know how these conversations go, Walter. Um, but I would say I was very uh, pleased offensively with Miami. Uh, finished with five players in doubles figures. Harlan Beverly, his first career double double. Uh, Matt Croft, who you know the other freshman they brought in their recruiting class, he played really well. He came close to a double double. Um, he's a guy that can really extend the floor, especially if he's got to play the four without. Uh, Sam Wardenberg this season. Um, Isaiah Wong was the Isaiah Wong that we saw the second half of last year and was aggressive again. North Florida played uh, this, I don't know if it was a, a one, you know, one, two, two trapping zone or they played some sort of extended zone that kind of opened up the middle of the floor um, right around the free throw line. And they pretty much parked Isaiah Wong there for much of the game. Cam Augusti was there um, at some point. That, that's who I was kind of disappointed in was McGusty and Likes, as weird as that might sound. Um, those were kind of the two heavy hitters for Miami last year. Um, so offensively, you know, I, I think Chris Likes kind of, you know, made his stat line look okay towards the end, just picking up some points and kind of garbage time and dishing out assists. Um, the positive for Likes is he had five assists and only one turnover, um, which has been a problem for him in past years. And I think kind of the X factor to this team, and, and I'm going to kind of go into the parts where I was a uh, little – the, where I think their weaknesses are, and I think they're going to have to improve on this, was their defense and their rebounding. Um, and, and I think that's going to be a weakness all season long, and I think what will happen, which Jim Laranega, I think, gets the most out of his talent every year, is they're going to slow the pace down tremendously in order to not give up as many points and just try and be more efficient on the offensive end. But Nicear Brooks, the, the grad transfer from Cincinnati, uh, was big for them. To have a guy who's seven foot, uh, that athletic, they haven't had that in a few years. You know, you got to go back to Abuka Azundu, who was always in foul trouble before that. It was Tony Jakiri. So I think that was, those were kind of the positives for Miami. Um, the negatives that they couldn't defend a three pointer to save their life in the first half. And that was kind of North Florida's strategy was just chuck up threes. They made nine, they made nine threes in the first half. Um, they, they tightened it up in the second half. I think they gave up three. Um, but they got a, when they play some, you know, better teams, whether it's Purdue next week or when they get into ACC play, defense and rebounding is going to be an issue. And and I think that that's where obviously they miss Sam Wardenberg, you know, a veteran forward. But then they're also going to miss Timberlake, who's not only been touted for his offensive game but also his defensive game. I mean, Andre, we could just go home because uh, Josh just laid the whole thing out there, man. I mean, we don't need uh, to. <laughs> I'm done. I don't need to. <laughs> no, that was that was a great breakdown. Yeah, I was really excited about Nizier Brooks. Uh, I'm sorry. He is such a huge improvement over Rodney Miller, who's uh, lumbering. And he really he was a starter last year, really should not be a starter on, on an ACC team. Off the bench, he'll be, you know, fine. Uh, but Nizier Brooks is athletic. I agree. He was that was very exciting. And then and then Matt Cross, I think he shot five or six, five of six, a couple of three pointers, a freshman replacing DJ Vasilovich, who was a great shooter. And wow, if we can, ex I mean, he can't be that good every game, but you know, for a freshman, his poise was really impressive. Like I said, disappointing that Timberlake, we didn't get to see what he can do in college, but he has a big reputation. I thought Isaiah Wong and Harlan Beverly have made a big leap. They showed flashes as freshmen really coming on. And yeah, Chris likes was disappointing. I think he finished with 11 Josh, but there was like five in the last couple of minutes uh sh shooting percentage was not good but we know chris likes i mean i want to have chris on this show that kid is a baller he's a badass 
I mean, he's got to be the toughest kid in the country, pound for pound. I mean, he, he doesn't back down from anybody. I love his game. And so I know he's going to be back. And same with McGussie. I think they're going to be much improved. Um, Andre, what are your thoughts on, on Kane's hoop? If you want to go to Kane's football, I, I leave it up to you. No, I just wanted to ask Josh what he thought about just the preseason prediction of this team. Obviously, they look better. They've improved in the areas you guys talked about. But I think it was, what, seventh in the ACC is more or less or somewhere in the middle of the pack, I think, is where they have them kind of projected right now. I've got – before I get into that, because we're talking about a lot of serious things, and I know you guys like to joke around from time to time. I've got one funny Chris Like story. His okay, hit freshman, it. Okay, go for it. His freshman year, uh, you know, he comes in as a, as a top 100 recruit, and, and he's listed at five foot seven. Um, and if, if they were to list me in a basketball uniform and basketball shoes, I'd be about five foot six. Uh, so wow. I was curious. What a matchup that would be. Josh White against well, Chris Likes. Unbelievable. Well, so that, that's what I wanted to find out. How, how, like, obviously, I saw how good this kid was. He, he was a top 100 recruit. If he was five foot nine, he probably would have been a top 25 recruit. Like, th- there's no doubting the skill level. He's just small. Right. So, okay, let, let's, let's see how this goes. So I reached out to the SID at the time uh, for men's hoops, and they, he, we got it approved. He was all on board. Um, it was late in the season, so they they had some injuries, so they didn't want to play a game. But we played horse. We we played, mm-hmm. or I, I I think we played. You know, it was a it was a uh, a rendition of horse. I think we called it cane or something like that. And mm-hmm. I am not a good basketball player. Uh, no, just just by just by looking at you, Josh, I would have guessed that. I haven't played basketball competitively since probably around sixth grade. So so it's been a little bit of time. Um, but, but, but I, I definitely pride myself on being that annoying short player and, and everyone's seen it in a pickup game that guards someone the length of the floor. That, that's kind of, that's kind of my style. Um, so I was like, okay, let's see what happens. So he starts off with like a reverse layup. Of course I missed, uh, at, at one point he hits a half court three and, and it wasn't like it took like multiple tries. It maybe took Whoa. one or two tries and, and he hit it. And then I said to him, I go, the last one you have to dunk. And, and, and I had known that he could dunk. I think he did it, in, you know, and I'm like, if you look at his highlight reel from high school, he would dunk and like, you know, kind of showcases and things like that. So he dunked. Wow. And I go, well, I guess I got to try and dunk to save myself. But yeah, it didn't, didn't work so well. He, he is very good at the game of basketball. Um, and, I, and I think the other day they did like an anonymous poll in the athletic and they named him the toughest person to guard in the entire conference. Not only not only to guard Josh, but also the way he unnerves opponents. He draws so many charging fouls. He did it again the other night. By the way, when you try to dunk, did you even touch the bottom of the net? I'm guessing not. Uh, no. So I, I I can touch the bottom of the net on a good day without a ball in my hand. The problem is the ball weighs you down a little bit. Right. With a Nerf ball, maybe you could touch the bottom of the net. Yeah. Or, or we could lower the hoop to like seven or eight feet. That might help. There you go. There you go. I feel a little better about how the ball, the, the rim always rejected the ball whenever I tried that back in the day at Champagne. Yeah, now I feel a little bit of better, a little better about that. Yeah. Uh, Andre uh, has a famous moment in Harold Cup play in our, in our Miami Herald tournament where he got the ball. He didn't know there was a, there was a kid yeah. right behind him. Was also no, per- no, no, it wasn't even behind me. It, you know, it was someone that's even shorter than Josh, and he had a running start and sent the ball into the second row. It was a nasty slapation of his uh, attempted shot. But, all right, enough about us playing basketball. What else you got, uh, Josh? Where else were you going to go with the Andre's question? 
Oh yeah, I, I, sorry, I totally forgot about Andre's question. That's we okay. Got so off, we got so off topic about you know the the Herald Cup and and my me losing to Chris like very badly. Um, I, yeah, I think what Andre said they were you know they were picked seventh, eighth, or ninth somewhere in that you know part of the ACC and you know yeah like, where like how realistic is that like on target you think and like what this team is capable of this year? I guess that that was what I meant. I think it's every year except for maybe last year or the year before, Jim Larinaga, since he's been at Miami, has always outperformed that projection. Whatever the ACC projection, they either match it or they do better. So I do think it's realistic. I think history repeats itself in that regard. I also think Miami is very underrated this year in the fact that if you look at the good Jim Larinaga teams over the years, the ones that have been really good have been experienced. And I'm not saying this is a Sweet 16 team or anything like that. But I think they're a chance, you know, they're a bubble team with a decent chance to make the NCAA tournament. The teams that have lost early when they have made the tournament have not been experienced. This team has, you know, five uh, seniors. They've got a sophomore class that, you know, played a ton last year. This is a, this is a team that I, I think is really, really experienced. Um, I think there's clear weaknesses, again, on defense and rebounding. Um, and I think the other big change that, they have from this year compared to the last two years is they actually have more than seven players. Yeah. Um, and, and you wouldn't think, Oh, it's college basketball might not matter. It matters. Cause you know, they've already had, you know, one injury out for the year. They have Timberlake out for, you know, the next month or so. Um, and now they've got, you know, they, they still had an eight man rotation and they didn't even play a guy uh, who they could have, if they wanted to the other night. Yeah. Yeah, Josh, they, they caught themselves short after the whole FBI investigation that was so weird and then there was never any charges. And But that stunted their recruiting. That's really where this program took a dip. And it was so unfortunate what happened there. And they caught themselves really short. No recruits one year and they were and then in a cup injury two and all of a sudden they've got no depth. And he didn't he doesn't like to recruit uh, Larnega doesn't. And, and I talked to Caputo, the assistant. They don't really like to recruit up to the max of 13 because they feel like those guys at the end of the bench will be unhappy. So they caught themselves in a, in a, in a predicament there. And it's, and as far as Andre's question about seventh or whatever, they were picked in the ACC. I mean, really, when you look at it every year, you know, off the top, there's going to be North Carolina, there's going to be Duke, there's going to be Virginia has become a year in year out power with the way they defend and Louisville. So, I mean, they're in that next tier. I, I wouldn't put it past them if things go well that they could be fifth or something. But, you know, to be to be in the top four in that league, you're really going to have to bring it because it is such a great league uh, year in, year out. Um, uh, Josh, I wanted to segue to a baseball question I had, and I, and I know I want to get Andre's thoughts on this. He's uh, Mr. Baseball, covered um, – baseball a lot for the athletic or for the Miami Herald. So um, the Marlins just made a move that kind of surprised me. And, and Josh, I know you root for the Mets being a New Yorker and that's my team as well. Having been born in the city. Um, they designated for assignment, Jose Urania, uh, only 29 years old. We know he throws hard. I always thought this young, young guy, I was going to say kid, but this young man could be a reliever maybe even a back-end guy, he's obviously unafraid of throwing inside. We've seen the hit-by-pitches. And I think there's talent there. I was kind of surprised that they let him go. Maybe it's a financial decision. I think he's going to make 3.5. Uh, first, Josh, and then Andre, what, what do you guys think about that? And is that an opportunity for somebody to maybe steal this, this, this young talent? 
Uh, well, Walter, first off, I don't think you know the connection between Andre and I. Uh, we did a a couple of years ago. I, had, I did a baseball documentary in South Florida, and our esteemed guest of baseball knowledge in South Florida is who else but Andre Fernandez. So, wow. so you you're, you're, you're touting Andre for his baseball knowledge, and and there's no one more knowledgeable in South Florida about that. Um, but that. I was look I at was, that. Yeah, I had, I had fun doing that. We we filmed that over at the park where Manny Machado used to play for Brito. By the wow. way, good yeah. story. I, I got I got to get my hands on a, on that uh, docudrama. Thirty for thirty, thirty for forty. I recommend you watching. It's called Hitting Home. You, you can really find good. it on you can find it on YouTube. It's about 15, 16 minutes. All right, yeah. and, a lot of, a lot of good a lot of good uh, good testimonials there. A lot of good guests, uh, you know, that talk a lot about the game and how how rich the history is in Miami. Uh, Andre is at the top of that guest list. Uh, oh, so, ah, I wouldn't say that. Absolutely. Uh, but, but I, yeah, I was a little surprised by the move. Uh, I would think that, you know, obviously the numbers haven't been good for Urania over, you know, his, you know, four or five years in the major leagues, whatever it's been. But, you know, he, he was, he was the opening day starter back to back years for the Marlins. And, and I know their staff has improved. They're bringing up younger guys. Um, but I was a little surprised by the move. I would not be surprised um, if a team picked him up because I would not imagine he's going to demand all that much money. You mentioned that he's 29 years old. You know, th- there's potential there. He he hasn't really panned out. I'm trying to think the last good season he probably had was maybe 2018, 2017. Um, but 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 it's an electric arm when it's on, and and I think it's worth the risk of you know picking him up on a waiver. Yeah, I mean, I always thought Duran's departure would be via a trade, and maybe that's maybe that's what happened. Maybe they pursued avenues and they couldn't find a, a suitable deal to get it done. But which is unfortunate because you never want a guy with some value cut loose just for nothing like that. But, right. but I agree. I mean, he is to me, I, I think for a while you, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, I don't know if he's a closer cause he did struggle doing that last year, but I think he's at, at worst, he's a high leverage relief guy that you could plug in in the seventh, eighth inning as a setup guy, you know, with the velocity and that, you know, like you said, that fearlessness, you know, whether it's Ronald Acuna at the plate or anyone else. And, you know, and that, that could be valuable on a contending team. You know, he's an added piece to your bullpen. And it, it's just a case where I think the Marlins have now grown out, grown beyond them, I think, because of, you know, the prospects that are coming up now. He's definitely not going to be a starter anymore. And they're looking in another direction when it comes to bullpen help. I mean, just the fact that they even didn't pick up Brandon Kinsler's option means that they want to revamp that, that back end staff uh, in, in some key spots. That's a great point, Andre. The Kinsler move I also question. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what uh, what's going on. Uh, there are a couple of moves that, that I question there. We only got a couple of minutes left, Josh, so you can't do your normal intense uh, report on this last question. But I want to ask you about Hurricanes football. Um, they've been off because of uh, the COVID, and I'm not sure how many weeks uh, you guys can tell me that they've been off, but it seems like uh, they've been off for months. Um, and they rearrange their schedule. So this week, it's instead of Wake Forest, it's Duke. And I think that's a break for Miami. Wake Forest, as I see it, is a much better team uh, than Duke. Even Duke has beaten Miami the last couple of years, which that can't happen. Uh, Josh and, and, and then Andre will wrap this segment up. What do you think about Hurricanes football and where they're at? Uh, I think, obviously, you look at the first eight games, and if you told any fan they'd be 7-1 and one through eight games, you'd be content with the only loss coming to Clemson. Um, I absolutely agree with you. I think Duke becomes, you know, a much easier game for Miami than Wake Forest, especially not playing in 
you know, a few weeks. Uh, the, the question is going to become who is available and who isn't available because we don't know which Miami Hurricanes football team is. And this is obviously if the game is played. We're still a few days out from that. W- which Hurricanes are going to play if, you know, I'm, I, I have no idea who is, you know, but let, let's say De'Eric King doesn't play. You know, you got, you got an issue. Let's say. You know, Shut Jaylen your mouth. Phillips, Shut or, your mouth. Don't I'm, say I'm, that I'm, about De'Eric King not playing. I'm, Come on now. I'm just saying, you just never know how the testing is going to go. And we've seen it, you know, more and more in the NFL, especially. But like, you know, if Quincy Roche and Jalen Phillips don't play. It, it's a different game. You have no idea. And, and, and the coaching staff doesn't even have an idea until they get those tests back, you know, Saturday morning, knowing that, you know, these players are clean, you know, they're, they're COVID negative, then they can play. Uh, until we know that, I, I can't really say confidently that, you know, Miami's going to walk in there and, and, and beat Duke. Is it a much easier game than Wake Forest? Absolutely. Do I think this Miami team uh, is en route to a New York, New York Six Bowl game? I, I, uh, New York Six Bowl game? I, I think so. I, I think they've deserved that. If, if they continue to keep winning and their only loss is to Clemson, how, how do you not put them in a New Year Six? Yeah, I mean, coronavirus has no chance with uh, – with uh, Derek King, come on. But Andre, wrap us up. We got to get Duke, to Ruthie Polinski next. Duke is definitely a break compared to Wake for sure. And and the fact that, I mean, if the court, like you're saying, if something unfortunate happens like that with a quarterback, or maybe they're missing a lot of key offensive linemen, Duke is a pretty good pass rushing team. But it looks like it's the only strength they have. They're very turnover prone. I think they were like the worst, uh, worst team in the nation early on in the season in terms of committing turnovers. So that's the chain may be out a few times this weekend if they can. If, if, if the Canes are at full strength or, or closer, to, closer to full strength. I love it. We'll be right back with Ruthie Polinski of NBC6 right after this. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Here's that song again. Yay. Here's that song again. For the hundredth time today. Here's that song again. It's gonna be stuck in your head all day. Here's that song again. It will make you cray cray. You love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times. Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. To protect his home and family from disaster, Steve used courage, wisdom, and his camera phone. That should do it. Way to go, Steve. By simply taking digital pictures of his family's important documents, Steve can always have them stored safely online, no matter when disaster strikes. Learn other simple ways to protect your home and family before a natural disaster at ready.gov. That's ready.gov. A message from FEMA and the Ad Council. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking, I'm, I'm looking at the different angles. It does, you I don't call know, him that, I call him Tunga Vailoa, whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tongo Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays from 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 
Slam Radio. Flowers are beautiful, but they become even more so when carried by people who are committed to ending Alzheimer's. At the Alzheimer's Association Walk to End Alzheimer's, hundreds of thousands carry different colored flowers, signifying their connections to the disease. And we walk so that one day, there will be a white flower for Alzheimer's first survivor. Slam Radio is more than just a radio station, but a family. It's so nice to know that you have a place where you can feel safe, where you can feel comfortable sharing your opinions and not be judged for what you feel like is right or is wrong. I'm very grateful that I've gotten this opportunity to be a part of something big, something historical. It taught me that not only that I matter, but that I have a voice. And the mentors we have here, like Frank the Tank and Amigo, make you love this amazing program even more. There are very few words that can describe Slam Radio. One word that definitely comes to mind is familia, family. We've been offered so many unique opportunities to be a part of something great. I will always be grateful to Slam Radio and everybody a part of Slam Radio. We are a family. They are my family and they will always continue to be my family and I will forever be thankful and I know they got my back just like I got theirs. I love being part of Slam Radio. This is Dag Prescott and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with Front Page 305 on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Yeah, it's ladies' night, and the feeling's right. Welcome back to Front Page 305. I want to thank my producer, Frankie Fernandez, and also my executive producer, Larry, don't call me David Fisdale, Millian, uh, for their great work behind the scenes. As I mentioned, and I'm my co-host, Andre Fernandez, I want to welcome our next guest, the great, the lovely, the talented Ruthie Polinski. Ruthie, welcome back to Front Page 305. Hey, guys, how are you? Doing great. Doing great. So, Ruthie, we want to uh, we want to bring you on to talk about the Marlins, talk about the Dolphins. But before we get to that, I wanted to ask you. Obviously, last time we talked to you, you told us a story about you had gotten hired right before the pandemic hit in March, and that really curtailed uh, you know what you may have been able to do in the city. Uh, since then, have you uh, gotten the chance to uh, see any of the sites in South Florida and and also, in a side question, what maybe features have you done at NBC6 that, that you might want to tell us about that are kind of cool? I don't know what kind of opportunities you've had to do that, obviously, during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, okay, so I will, I'll start with the question about what I've done to do so far. And I will say the my favorite thing about Miami, South Florida, is just the sunshine and the beach, right? I mean, that's why people live here. And I'll say that mm-hmm. now that it's, a little chilly i woke up today and i'm like oh can i put a sweatshirt on today you know i was like so excited um and this you know you this, this is the time of year i think where people are like this is why you live in south florida right like in november december january and it's just perfect outside so unfortunately ruthie it's going away after like the next you know 24 36 hours and then it's back to the same old you guys are all negative, Nancy. That's what I say to everyone. And everyone's like, well, enjoy it while you can. And I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> I will. No, it, it, it's um, been beautiful to take, like, a walk out right now or take a run. It's been, it's been really ideal. Yeah, exactly. So that's definitely been my favorite thing. Um, obviously, I'm trying to get to as many restaurants and 
food and try as much cuisine as I can. Obviously, the sushi down here has really been my favorite so far. It's just like, you know, always on point. Um, and then at NBC6, I'll kind of transition to the second part of your question. Um, I recently did a story on Chris Nickich. Um, he was the first a uh, man with Down syndrome to complete the Iron Man. Um, that was wow. cool. I actually spoke with him before um, before he did the race, and it was in uh, you know a little north of us here. He's from outside of Tampa, and so I got to speak with him and his dad and uh, and his trainer uh, prior to the race. And so that's obviously, I mean, he, he's a special Olympian, and he's done all these amazing triathlons and races and. Uh, a couple weeks ago, he became the first man with a person, I guess, with Down syndrome to complete an Ironman. So that was pretty unbelievable. And it was very cool to kind of, you know, people kind of picked up on it after the race, but it was really cool to get to talk to him prior to the race. Um, and that's yeah, awesome. That's that, that just, that, that puts the rest of us to shame, doesn't it? When you see, I couldn't do that. Right. I mean, it's unbelievable. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and his, dad was we got to speak with his dad who's been a huge part of his you know obviously development and he's surpassing every expectation that doctors put on him early on in his life um, and so it's just really cool to kind of see a proud dad and uh, a trainer who feels like his life has been changed for the better as well it, it was it's a really cool story I highly recommend you check it out awesome Ruthie so the Dolphins and the whole situation going on right now with two uh, people are talking about as soon as he's back how, how do you foresee this going? You know, it sounds like he might not be back yet against the Bengals, but you know, once he's healthy, I mean, this is a team and in, in, that's heading into a stretch run. That's very possible, you know, not just for the playoffs, but they're in contention for the AFC East. You know, I, I guess a lot of people keep asking, what do you do at that point? You know, depending on if it fits is continuing to guide this team, to victories. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Tua this week. Um, Flo told us after the game that he was quote unquote close to being ready to go, whatever that means. Um, so we'll see kind of what happens this week. Obviously they haven't uh, practiced yet this week. So I'm sure we'll get an injury report and kind of an update as you know, he gets healthier this week. I'm assuming, you know, a thumb injury on your throwing hand is really tough because you can't grip the ball. So I, I think they're going to be careful with this, um, especially you know, with the Bengals. But what I will say is when you look at the Dolphins' schedule here coming up, like, Tua's going to then get thrown back and face the Chiefs and the Raiders and the Patriots and the Bills. Like, these are not easy opponents to just throw the kid in and try and make a playoff push. So I think it's it would be great to get him back this week and just kind of get him warmed up again. Um, if you are designating Tua as your healthy quarterback and as your starter, um, I think it would be a, good to get him back here this week against the Bengals with no Joe Burrow, um, you know, against a team that should be pretty much a, a home guaranteed win. So, I, I mean, when you talk about this quarterback, quote-unquote, controversy, there's no controversy. Tua is the starter. Um, but, but what I will say is, if you're going to ask me for my opinion, I think Ryan Fitzpatrick gives you the better chance to win. And I think Brian Flores told us all that, he believes Ryan Fitzpatrick gives them a better chance to win when he benched Tua in the fourth quarter against the Broncos. So I think that there's a lot of um, – there are different reasons and different purposes to have Tua play right now. I think we're looking at a long-term situation for the Miami Dolphins organization, but when you are looking at trying to make a playoff push here, I think Brian Flores and I would both agree that Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to put you in position to win these games. Um 
So we'll see what happens, but two is the starter. So there's no controversy, you know? <laughs> you know, Ruthie, it's kind of the nature of football because you only play once a week. It's not a daily game like, like baseball. And so every performance, just not, not speaking of us here, but just people in general, fans, even some media members, just the, the, the tendency to knee jerk. After the first game, I remember the thought process was that I heard a lot was, oh, my God, is that all there is? Is that all there is to Tua? Like, he didn't do much. Mm -hmm. You know, the defense and the specials dominated. Then the second game, he was really good. And people go, whoa, man, Super Bowl, mm -hmm. here we come. And then the third <laughs> game, it was a, another down performance. And then they knee-jerked in the other, other direction. And then now the injury. So I think, obviously, this needs to play out. But the nature of, of the media and the nature of football, once a week, you're going to make judgments each week on what's on what's happening but there there is a tendency to overreact from one performance week to week and we still to me we still don't know you know what Tua is at this level yet it, is, it still needs to play out a hundred percent I completely agree with you and that's exactly the reason why I did not turn on a television the Monday after they benched Tua in the after the Broncos game <laughs> I was like I am not listening to what any of the national media has to say about this because it was very clear to me that Flo believed that there was something that he wasn't seeing from Tua that was going to allow them to win the game. So I think when you're looking at what, um, you know, what is Tua, we are, we might not know that for two, three years, right? Like we might not know what Tua Tungabailoa can be or what he will be for at least next season, um, especially with this kind of up and down year with COVID and all these moving parts and he didn't have an off season. He didn't have a preseason, um, so there's so many, you know, variables that went into what Tua's potential can be for the 2020 season. And I think you're right. I think there's still so much to be determined uh, when you're looking at him as a player. And jumping to conclusions is great for the the talk show, the national talk shows. But for, you know, Dolphins fans, I think everyone needs to take a deep breath and just kind of, you know, let him figure it out when he's on the field. And he's going to make mistakes. That's just the nature of the game. You know, Ruthie, I, I wanted to, uh, when we talked off the air, you and I, and you had mentioned you wanted to talk about the Marlins' new GM. Um, I'm afraid mm -hmm. to say her name because I know I'll butcher it, so I'll let you do that. But I want to get your yeah. thoughts on that. And uh, and then uh, also Andre, our baseball expert, to talk about that. But, you know, I played, uh, I had Frankie play. It's ladies' night at the beginning. And it's like, well, we've got a, a president, a vice president-elect who's female. The Marlins have a female GM. Uh, things are really starting to, to happen. Uh, for women and so many, we, we, we had our first guest today was a, a, a kicker uh, on the boys, a female kicker on the boys team. And obviously we had the story at Vanderbilt. So a lot of cool things are happening. Mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts? And I know you, you, that's something you wanted to, you wanted to broach. Yeah. You know, Kim Eng, it's how you pronounce her name. Um, a like I kind of say it in my head, A-N-G, um, Kim Eng. So I was really moved by this story. Um, as you can imagine, obviously being a woman in a male dominated industry, I've um, kind of always just been the odd one out, you know, in, in many of the Dolphin Zoom press conferences, I'm the only female face on there. And, you know, it's still wow. very much a thing that women are um, the, we aren't really commonplace yet in male sports. Right. Um, and so when, when this move, obviously for any organization to make this move, it was going to be huge. But for me to be standing outside of Marlins Park and telling the South Florida community about this woman and who she is and what she's done, um, I was really, it was really one of the more powerful moments of my career and one of my um, wow. really 
uh, yeah, it was just, it was really transformational for me. And, you know, it was cool. She had her unbelievable, one of the more moving introductory press conferences I've ever seen um, from a GM, let alone someone like a trailblazer like her. Um, but then afterwards, she set up a separate Zoom meeting for her to just introduce herself to um, to the local news stations, just the local TV people here in South Florida. So we kind of had a more intimate introduction. Um, and again, in that Zoom press conference, there were probably 11 of us on there, including, you know, photographers and some producers at the local stations. And I was the only female uh, to meet her. And, and that's just really, it was a really powerful moment for me as a woman in sports, just so inspiring. And just to see her confidence and, she, you know, this is someone that's overqualified for this job, right? Like she has been qualified for this job for years and she's gotten passed up time and time and time again, because she was a woman, quite frankly, she was passed up for people with less experience when she was up for general manager jobs elsewhere. Um, and, this is a woman that never backed down, you know, and here she is. And it's just such an incredible, powerful thing to think about when, you know, a lot of us face rejection and how you face rejection is, says a lot about your character. And I think for the Marlins to give this woman the shot she finally deserves is something that we should, yes, celebrate, of course, but at the same time, ask ourselves, why did it take this long? You know, I mean, this is someone that's been around baseball more than, many of the people that work in baseball so I you know I um I was really inspired by that story and I'm really looking forward to covering her and, and getting to know her better Andre yeah definitely I mean I I, I agree with that. I like the the fact that press conference was not your typical press conference because you know a lot of times it's immediately about questions about the team and what are you going to do next and this and that this was more about getting to know her, getting to know the road she went through to get to that point and, and her life story kind of in, in a nutshell, like everybody kind of, and then them take, like you said, them taking the time to set up a few of those, not just the main one and everybody saw on MLB network, but, but yeah, I mean, long overdue. I mean, I think the, to, to put a funny spin on it, I think the, the thing I said was like, well, like I echoed LeBron when he was like, it's about damn time. That's probably like, <laughs> mm -hmm. that's probably how, that's probably how she felt or that's probably how people felt that know her, that know how qualified she's been for, for a while now. Yeah. And if I, if I can touch on that, I mean, I think what we saw the Marlins do this year um, and kind of grab the national attention of like the nation and the country, and then to do something like this is just like, Hey everyone, you may want to pay attention to the Miami Marlins for a little bit. You know what I mean? Like this is a yeah. real, this is really something. Um, and this is an organization that's really making some big, big moves. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited for, for next season. It's, it's interesting, too, because, you know, it's great. She's a pioneer, and I, and I celebrate that, Ruthie, as I know you do. And, but at the same point in time, it's a competitive industry. And mm -hmm. just like any male GM, she wouldn't want it any other way. Her moves and the organization's moves are going to be questioned. We were talking earlier in the show. Uh, they just designated yeah. for assignment Jose Urena, uh, Brandon Kinsler, mm -hmm. who was their closer last year. They decided not to pick up that contract. So, that's going to be the interesting thing to actually watch her moves. Okay. It's great. She's a mm -hmm. pioneer. She's a woman. I love it. But now let's see where this organization goes. Obviously this was a short season. It wasn't a, a true 162 game test. Like hopefully we will have in 2021, God willing. And so, you know, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Where she's like, okay, she's qualified. She's here, but now 
you know, the team has to win. She has to make the right moves. Absolutely. And she said this in her press conference, you know, uh, when she got the job, it was like a 10,000 pound weight was removed from one shoulder and then put on the other shoulder because she knows she's under that spotlight. She knows everyone's watching her. Um, and that comes with a tremendous amount of pressure. And, um, and I think she embraces that. I mean, she has, and she's been a part of, you know, six world series championships and, a, you know, however many or three, three world series and eight, eight postseason runs, you know, she knows how to win. She's been a part of these organizations. I think, she has the qualifications, but you're right. Now it's your time to show us that, you know, what you can do with that. Well, Ruthie, we're coming to the end of our show. And I think when, when we did our podcast the first time, our other co-host, Manny Navarro of The Athletic, he said, Ruthie, you're our favorite guest. And he blurted it out. And it's true. You're awesome. We love you on this oh. show. You're so humble and so genuine a person. And, and we love having you on every time you're on. So thanks for, for, for coming on with us. We appreciate it. Oh, guys, that's so sweet. Truly, anytime. It's so fun. You guys are my favorite, too. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Ruby. All right, Andre, thanks also to you for, for your uh, appearance here today. Thanks uh, for being part of the show. And now, Frankie, we're out. Tune in next week. The views and opinions expressed on Front Page 305 are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.